Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. We need to make this visible. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. The cavalry's not coming. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. We're caught in this labyrinth. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. You are also on fire. You just didn't notice. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, guys, we're not okay. We're not doing so great. <laughs> we had a long debate. Should this episode be called Moms Are Not Okay or Oh, Look, Another Pandemic Wall? And they both apply, really. They both apply. But first, mailbag. Mailbag, Amy. We're going to do it. But I will say our mailbag nicely dovetails with what we're talking about today. Absolutely. Let me read it. Okay, go ahead. This is an Instagram message that came in from our listener. Both of you expressed so clearly two thoughts I've been struggling with as a mom of three boys lately. Margaret's quotes, the parameters of my life are defined by a host of things I don't feel like doing. And Amy, I have no right to complain because other people have it worse than me. Thank you for saying the things I think out loud. Becky in Austin. Becky we're all in the same boat right now. Yeah. This stinks, guys. Yeah. You know that saying, you know, I really can't complain if somebody says how you're doing, like unusual times and the before times. Well, I really can't complain. I was thinking about that saying this morning. Yes, we can. We really can complain. Every single one of us. And I keep having this conversation with people. I have two or three people. My nieces are here now. I sometimes talk to them on the phone. I usually don't talk to that many people on the phone. I talk to my sisters and we never say, how are you? You know, <laughs> what do you mean? You never say how, like, why would you waste time on that? We just start <laughs> skipping it now. We're like, hey, what's up? Oh, this stinks and that stinks. So we, we've gotten past the how. We've learned that how are you is no longer an appropriate question at these times. But I have a couple people I talk to for work and I just keep laughing like, when people say, how are you? I have to keep saying adjusted for current circumstances. I'm getting through. But I mean, I can no longer answer fine. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know that is the correct answer, but I can't do it anymore. There was a New York Times article about this moment, right? And there was a quote in it from Dakita Brown, a mom of two. She says, we are holding together with the same tape we have been using since March. And I'm like, Dakita, you nailed it. The tape isn't working so well anymore. That's the right metaphor. And yeah, I will say, I want to start with my piece of advice that I probably should have given last week because February is ticking away and I'm too late with my advice. But I will share with you, as I try to every February, the best advice I've ever gotten from my sister, which is, 
never make a major life decision in February. Mm. And she said this to me maybe 10 years ago. And sometimes I still will call her and be like, and I think maybe I need to quit the podcast and leave my family and move to Mars. And she's like, it's February. Remember, we don't make major life decisions in February. It's dark days. Every fun thing has ended. Yep. And you're really just in the doldrums in a very profound way. Even you people who live in Florida and it's sunny and I get it and you're warm, it's still February. It's a bad month. I'm sorry, February. It's just a dark, miserable month. And after February comes March, which will mark a year. And, you know, anniversaries are really significant in, you know, psychology, like the anniversary of a age that something happened to you and your kids or whatever, like the anniversary of a death or whatever. These are significant events. And I think that what I'm feeling is here comes a year. I didn't know this was possible. And maybe I'm glad I didn't know this was possible last March. But as we come up on, wait a minute, we missed this thing and now we're going to miss it again a year later it's a whole new level of um despair (laughs) i'm gonna call it despair i'm just gonna call it wow guys hope you are uh doing something fun while listening to this episode (laughs) because we're depressing the heck out of ourselves and you yeah there was a thread on our facebook page that really encapsulated this and i someone if you're not on our facebook page facebook.com forward slash what fresh hellcast one of our listeners wrote Maybe it's because we're past the holidays, past the election. It's really hitting me that we're still in this pandemic with no clear end in sight. And then I feel guilty for feeling this way when I'm so fortunate in so many ways. Yeah. I feel like if we get anything else out of this conversation, I would like to grant you permission. I have no permission granting authority or skills, but I would still like to grant people vested in me for the powers of the Wet Fresh Hell podcast. Yes. Exactly. I speak from the throne in Catholicism. What is it called when the Pope? Oh, ex cathedra. I would say ex cathedra. When the Pope speaks from his popey throne, everything he says is extremely important. Sure. We have some Catholic scholars in our families who would maybe dispute the way I'm describing this. Amy's sister. <laughs> yeah. We could have my sister on the show to be like, mm, that's not exactly what it means, but close enough. Yeah. But all I'm saying is I sit from the ex what fresh hellia throne and give you in your path put down the thing of i'm fine because i'm not as bad as other people yes your heart is hard your heart is hard and like we're done with that for now because yeah it's really hard and i mean guys i didn't lose my job my husband didn't lose his job we have a warm comfy house that you know we're all in safe together And I'm crying a lot. It stinks, guys. And I am putting down the thing of like, but it's not as hard as I had a friend who was in an extremely difficult situation. She was overseas in about a bad human situation as one can experience. And she would call me and whatever. She was having problems in a relationship and this and that. And she was constantly like, But I mean, I feel like an idiot even talking about it because she was going out every day and witnessing like the worst that humanity had to offer. Right. And I kept saying to her, this is an insane proposition that you've set up for yourself that because I'm in and seeing the worst, I can't feel bad about anything. And and you've got we're all doing that to ourselves right now. And we have to stop. Nobody's clapping for us at 7 p.m. You know what I mean? Like, we all deserve somebody banging on pots and pans to tell us we're doing a good job. 
Not that the people who were hearing that didn't deserve that, especially they did. But like, we're not getting that from anybody anymore. We're not getting praise. And also, we are at the end of the day feeling awful and then like taking out a hammer and hitting ourselves with it because we're bad people because someone else has it worse someone else always has it worse yes and let it go let it go and just suck your thumb and get in a warm bath and say this stinks and it's really hard for me yep i'm taking some comfort just to put a little something positive in your path that like it gets a little lighter every day and it's getting a little warmer every day and it's been a weird crazy winter in the east coast with lots of snow and, and you like i'm over it but it was dark at 4 30 now it's dark at 5 30 it's coming and i am choosing i love that you're putting this in my path because i just googled right before we got on when does the time change when the time changes and it's sunday march 14th and like that's we're coming i always say that's the greatest day of my year yeah you can keep your christmas <laughs> you can keep your holidays. Sunday, March 14th is my favorite holiday. Oh, When it is light again until 6.30 at night. It's the greatest day of my year. I love it. Yes, I totally agree. And we're getting there. And I've chosen to cling to that as a metaphor for things getting better. And of course, when we get to the summer, you know, by the 4th of July, we'll be able to be standing around outside again. And hopefully things will feel safe. And, you know, I'm clinging to that. Oh, certainly things are getting a little better each day because... Don't tell me it's not true because I need to believe it. Oh, I won't. And I don't believe that. I think things are getting better. It's getting lighter and the vaccine is rolling and I think it's getting better. Yeah. Another comment from our Facebook thread. I feel like I'm bouncing between extreme parenting and extreme work with no outlet and it feels never ending. Yes. And I just want to say to you, same. Yeah. That's what it is. And that's what that New York Times article that everybody's talking about, we'll put the link in the show notes, showed, you know, three women, you know, working from home and just how extreme it is. And what was the takeaway for me looking at it is like, I could look at these women's lives and think like objectively, this is insane what these three women are trying to get done in a day when you see the photos of it. And yet it's not really so different from what you, me, or anybody listening is dealing with. We've all got our stuff. It's just you can see it so clearly when it's somebody else. Like, that's crazy that you have an autistic kid and you're working from home and your other kid is failing. And like, oh, right, that's actually also me and my friend down the street. It's all of us. And yes, I think it is the classic frog in water metaphor that people use now to describe everything, just in case you don't know it. If you try to throw a frog, please don't do this. Don't throw a frog <laughs> in boiling water. But if you tried to, it would hop out because its skin can feel the difference between I'm not boiling and I am boiling. But if you put a frog in cold water and turn the heat up, it will never get out of the pot and it will die because it cannot sense the water changing temperature slowly getting yeah uh-huh so whether or not this is true it's a metaphor that people reference a lot the frog in the pot and i think that we're all a little bit the frog in the pot right now right like we didn't really feel it changing we had a shock of like oh no this is going to be crazy but then we were like i guess we just put our heads down and get through it and now we are almost a year in and we're on fire and we're just like, I don't know why I don't feel good. And it's like, oh, because mm -hmm. you're on fire. That's why. <laughs> right. And I'm looking at that other person's pot like, that's insane. That's some boiling water over there. Right. And you're looking at other people on fire and you're like, I guess I can't feel bad because that person's on fire. And it's like, guess what? You are also on fire. You just didn't notice. Mm -hmm. Another thing that was pointed out on the thread, which I think is a great point. There's nothing to look forward to. 
too much uncertainty to plan anything. And then I feel guilty because we have it so much better than many. But having spoken from the what fresh hellia throne, we're letting go of part two of that sentence now, right? We're not doing that anymore. The feel guilty part, right? We're not doing it, guys. We're going to let that go of like, everyone has it worse than me. But they've done happiness studies. And one of the main things that raises people's happiness, the happiness studies show that if you plan to go to the Bahamas in September of this year, right? Your happiness goes up right as you make those plans, right? And then your happiness stays up, and it doesn't go up any further when you're in the Bahamas, mm-hmm. right? Like two thirds of the happiness gained is from the thinking how much fun it's going to be. Exactly right. Yeah, and we've all denied ourselves that, right? We don't have any plans, and I do think this is somewhere where there's a little bit of a room for solution. My birthday is in September, and I'm planning some stuff around it. And I realize that I may have to cancel it if somehow we're not through this by September, but I'm making very specific plans for my birthday and trying to give myself that happiness hope. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to that. Like, try to plan something for late in the year. There's the certainty thing. Like, I get happiness from certainty. If you know one thing about me, you know that that's the case, right? Yes. And not being able to provide certainty to myself or to my children has been hard and having to back off on some of that certainty. Like I have a son who's graduating from high school this year and he has let go of like, goodbye, goodbye senior year of high school, right? He's not even being a little bit sentimental about that. Like whatever, right. But, you know, several months ago he was saying, but college, like by this fall, it'll be okay, right? And my husband and I were both like, yeah, no, yeah. By this fall, it's going to be okay. And then of course last night, we're, you know, on a Zoom, you know, presentation with this college for this fall. And they're saying like, so we don't know what it's going to look like this fall. Like we have a, they're presenting us with uncertainty. And it is not, I'm full of uncertainty. No more, please. It's crushing. Another comment from the thread that is right in this strike zone. The teaching life, family life is like some weird caravan that has no beginning and no end. I'm really done with having no light at the end of the tunnel. And that's what we're saying. Like, I also feel like we did have the holidays and then we had the election and then we had, I guess that's it. I had my daughter's birthday, but like I was busy in December and January for a lot of different reasons and pretty mentally engaged with a lot of things that were going on. Right. We all redoubled our efforts, right? Like some extra mistletoe. Yes. It does feel like that wave has crashed us on the shore and we're just like eating sand and laying face down and being like, whoa, there's nothing to even think about. Well, the tunnel, like the end of the tunnel is there, right? Like the vaccine exists and that's good news that we can all cling to like it showed up ahead of schedule and it works really really well now how are we going to get this thing in our arms and our parents arms and our like you know kid with the pre-existing conditions arms like that part isn't going so well i feel like the end of the tunnel is there but we're caught in this labyrinth so we can't see it from where we're standing yeah i think that's right and i also feel like the vaccine news kind of came i don't remember was it december it felt like there's light at the end of the tunnel and now suddenly it's like right i had an experience once where i was running a marathon overseas strange sentence but it happened and so it was in kilometers and i thought that the race was 40 kilometers long 
because I didn't check carefully enough. But it was like 40.4 or something. It wasn't that much farther. But when you think at the end of 26 miles that you're done and then you have to add 0.2, that's a long way when you think you're done. And I think that that's the feeling that I have right now, which is like... I saw the light at the end of the tunnel, but now it's like, uh, you can't get an appointment for a vaccine at the, for your dad at the county center for two months. It's like, wait, what? I'm still in hell? Like, I yep. thought I was putting my arms up and crossing the tape and like hope returned and confetti was flying. And instead it was just like, you know, portal to hell, basically. Not so fast, Mrs. Abels. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Not so fast. Okay. I hope we've thoroughly depressed you all. <laughs> and we'll be right back with more depressing information. <laughs> Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro aunt at this (laughs) point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different and fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, Amy, we're back. So Amy, you've referenced a little bit, the New York Times did an article, it was more What was it? It was like a series of articles. It was a thematic little piece. I guess they call it America's Mothers Are in Crisis. And it has like sort of six articles underneath one umbrella. I'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting and it captured a lot of the stuff that we're hearing. Oh, before we do that, though, I want to say one other thing. Someone else talked about what you think is another part of this frustration that like she's living this crazy pandemic life and her neighbors just came back from Disney World. Mm -hmm. Like there's also that whole aspect where it's like we are in 
this cocoon of our house trapped together for a year. And then on Facebook, there's like friends of ours at bars. And we're just like, wait, what is life? It's like all of the tent poles of sanity have been pulled up and we're just kind of flailing. Well, let me tell you what's really hard about that is, you know, speaking from the experience of somebody close to me, that the people who are going to Disney World seem to be fine. And the people who are staying home and doing nothing, like, you know, went to the corner once and got COVID. Like COVID isn't being fair on who it decides to track down, if you feel me. Yes. And that is for sure. And I know you realize this, a completely anecdotal like experience that you're having, which is not actually true. Like, yes, people are getting COVID at Disney World and getting it, you know, by trying to go to school. Right. But that's right. It happens to all of us. But the sensation when you see only the pictures of like people on vacation is like, wait, why am I in hell? And these other people are like flittering around, you know? And it's just mentally really difficult. And the New York Times article focuses specifically on working moms, which is another whole aspect of this. P.S. All working moms, hashtag we are all working moms. But this is like with a boss. Yes. Moms (laughs) who work outside the home and now inside the home, right? That's the problem. Is the responsibilities to a third party. Yeah. Right. You're trying to work from home. And I mean, it was illuminating. I hadn't really thought about one of the women is like a counselor and she's trying to have these like meaningful conversations with people and her kids like running around in the background. Like, I mean, we have you guys have heard sometimes on this podcast where like one of my kids will open the door in the background and be like, mom, I need more. But I run a parenting podcast. I can just be like, oh, guys, I'm home and my kids are here. You hear them. Yes. But there's a lot of jobs where like the stress of you can't have your kid in the background is really profound. There's one picture And I guess I'll put this in the show notes as well, the link to the picture so you guys can see it because I've seen it all over Facebook. There's one photo split screen of a mom wiping a toddler's butt while in the next room, the dad is sitting, you know, calmly on a conference call. And the mom is also on a work call, right? But it's the mom that is wiping the toddler's butt while she's like trying to close a deal, you know, and the other parent is in the other room getting to act as if the pandemic doesn't exist. And what bothered me about this article looking at it, what made me angry is that this was very much phrased as a mother's problem, which it is not a parental problem. Right. Like it isn't that guy's problem that the toddler's at home and needs his butt wiped during a conference call because the mom will handle it. And this is something we've talked about a lot. And I mean, we my husband and I had a come to Jesus moment about this at some point fairly early on, which was I mean, my job is much more flexible than my husband's job. And my husband is also the primary breadwinner in our household. Right. And also less lucrative. Right. Right. So there are some natural kind of what's the word like inertia things that happen there which is like I am more available and able and his job is not quite so like oh kids screaming in the background sorry (laughs) I don't know what he's done but he's on (laughs) calls with people with money or he's trying to get it you know whatever he's doing right and so I understand those parameters but I did say early on to him your work and his work has been understanding thank god some people's aren't but I said Your work needs to understand that it is not my job to create an atmosphere where the pandemic is not happening so you can continue to work as if the pandemic is not happening. And I have to like, 
as my mom would say, stand on my head and spit wooden nickels to make sure that everything stays peaceful in your office environment. It's not realistic and it's not going to happen. Yes. And, you know, I mean, the problem is that my husband has been with his company for a long time. He's in a high level position with his company. He's a great employee. Like he has a lot of job security. So he's able to push back a bit and say, hey, you know, I'm going to be off a little bit more in the mornings, blah, 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 blah. That is the biggest privilege that we have because a lot of friends of mine, I know somebody who went into their job and said, I need nine to 12 to help my kids and I will work now 12 to nine instead of, you know, nine to six or whatever. And her boss said, no, absolutely not. We need you here. And so she quit. She quit. Yeah. She left her job and she's out of the workforce right now. Brilliant, unbelievably talented lawyer. And like, she's at home. Yeah, that's what's happening, right? That women are leaving the workforce during this pandemic in much greater numbers than men because all of this is falling to the mom to figure it out. Yeah, and it is, I mean, it's rage-inducing and completely outrageous, but I do think that this can get a little bit, what's the word? Like, it's another area where, like, it's kind of a funhouse of mirrors. Like, you go in and you're like, but it's not fair, but it's outrageous, but it's crazy. We have to figure out how we're going to survive it, you know, and not just like be in the fun house of mirrors being like, here's another unfair thing. Like, it's terribly unfair. It is terribly unfair. Here's what I wonder. We always had to keep this hidden, right? If you're working from home, if you're on a conference call in the past and your kid was in the next room, that was a like state secret. Like that video we all watched a million times of the guy trying to talk to the BBC and his daughter walks in the room and then the baby and the walker comes in the room. Like it's a... And the mom grabbing for them. It's so funny. And then the mom, right, the mom's like crawling in like on her elbows to pull the kids out because like the idea that she might appear on camera is like the world might end if that happens, right? Right. Someone would know that there's like, there's strings on these puppets. Yeah. Right. So what was supposed to happen is like, okay, but now we can't pretend we don't live in that world anymore. Like everybody, like that's just how it is. And so things are going to get better because we're going to be able to work flexibly and the world is going to understand that, yes, everybody's a toddler right next to them learning math. And I don't think that's really happened. I think that it's true that it's happening, but I think we are all tap dancing just as hard to pretend that it's not. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that's extra exhausting. And one of the people in the article described it's a hamster wheel of days. And I think that's right. Like, there's just everything's going all the time. And I'm finding even for myself that when my kids were going to school, when my kids were at school, that was when I worked. And then they would come home and I would kind of move into mom mode and make dinner and, you know, clean up the house and get them to bed. And my husband we had structure to our days and now it's okay i'll help with school then we'll record the podcast then i'll go back and check on everyone and i'll make lunch and then at six o'clock at night it's like now i've got to prep stuff for the podcast or do stuff for my other job and it's like the day is just a soup of stuff yes and it's very hard to delineate like where am i a mom and like Am I a wife? Completely out the window, basically. Like my husband and I are like, tag your it, tag your it. I'm going to bed. And like occasionally... <laughs> See you then. <laughs> we watch an episode of TV together while lying in bed. Like our relationship is out the window at this point. Yeah. And because both of us are just like, yeah, da, 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 keep the plate spinning. Here we go. You know, and it's very tiring. You know, I want to just say that 
I've seen like we need to make this visible as a sort of, you know, feminist response to this. Like we need to just demand and we need to make visible that this is what's happening. And I'm not sure it's so easy, right, because we're all working so hard to keep it hidden. And that's not a way out. But neither is showing up and asking for what you need. Your friend had a quitter job like we there was a statistic that working mothers are twice as likely as working fathers to worry that their performance will be evaluated negatively if their caretaking of children becomes, you know, visible. And I think they're right. Oh, they're 100% right. They're 100% right. And I think the problem is the solution is very long term. Like fathers making their home life much more visible is going to help with this. You know, I remember in the before times, because my husband worked at home, that there were times where someone had a negative reaction to like, someone heard kids in the background when you were doing, I was like, well, he has kids and he works at home. Like, I'm sorry someone heard kids in the background. Like, yeah. as if that's this, like, unbelievable. Like, they peeked behind the curtain and realized my husband was not a worker robot and had a life. Like, and that, that was this huge negative for him. <laughs> and I was sort of like, I am not interested in that critique at all, you know? Yeah. But again, coming from this place of, you know, secure employment to some degree, you know, no one's that securely employed, but like we both have situations where we can kind of be like, yeah, too bad, so sad. And those people are going to take that pushback probably. But like, I mean, this person I'm talking about who lost their job was in a pretty long-term secure position. And they said, you know, we're not going to give you this little bit of wiggle room. Yeah. And I do think that part of the solution is everybody's staying more visible about their real lives and stopping this idea. And I do think I'm hoping that the pandemic will change this to a certain degree that like you arrive at nine off the train, you are worker robot, you know, people know you have kids, you have pictures of it, but then you leave. Like we have seen a little bit behind the curtain now. And I hope that that continues. I hope it gets better, too, that, you know, in the opposite sex relationships that are profiled in this New York Times article, I feel like out of the three that are profiled, there's one dad who really gets it, who comes in and sees like, oh, there's a big problem. Okay, I'll do it. Mama's going to take you for a walk, but I'll take you for a walk. Who's really showing up? And there's another dad profiled who's like taking naps on the couch in the middle of the day. And the sort of additional rage that you feel when it's like what I was doing that was invisible is now very visible. It's right in front of you. And you still don't feel like you need to change anything you're doing is, you know, of course, rage inducing and very easy for me to like look at it and be like, that's insane. And you need to set boundaries and you need to do better. But it's a societal message. We're all trying to unlearn that what the dad does for work is more important than what we do. And it's a world in motion, too. I mean, honestly, two generations ago, like my father changed diapers. I mean, we were born in the 70s and my dad the fact that he changed diapers was considered remarkable yeah i mean they tell a story which is i mean we've always laughed about it it's not the most hilarious story when you think about it but like so one of his friends was like my wife was so sick i had to hold her up so she could change the baby's diaper <laughs> like he said that with no irony like the idea that he would change the diaper was literally not in his world not in his mind you know yes it was explained to me when our first child was born that dads don't change poopy diapers because you know they can't like they're not they can't like get in the nooks and crannies i was told and it's like uh what <laughs> but and you can certainly like as we do and rightfully so point at those people and be like this is insanity but it's also like we are on a journey together and we have to have communications with people and say like this is my expectation i need this amount of help i mean my husband helps me 
more than the previous generations of men in my family helped their spouses by a factor of a billion. And I still find myself frustrated with him sometimes because he's not doing enough. It's a good start, right? That's a good start. (laughs) One billion percent improvement. But I do think it is something that we have to like verbalize and keep moving forward and keep, you know, telling our daughters that they can have this expectation and keep telling our sons that like the expectation is that this is what it looks like. We all help around the house. You know, it's nobody's job. Nobody's got any jobs. We're here to help each other. Yeah. And then not letting that roll back down the hill once we, please God, get back to a semblance of normal life. Amy, we're going to try to come back and talk solutions. Let's do it. Oh, I need those. More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practiced after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's sportsresearch, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. Hello, Hellions. You know we listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't our own. And today we want to tell you about a podcast that really speaks to us and will speak to any parent of a child with special education needs. The podcast is called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. One of my kids has an IEP, and I found this podcast so validating and so helpful. I feel better equipped to advocate for my child's educational needs now. This podcast is helpful for parents in many different situations, whether your child already has an IEP or you're just starting to wonder if they might need extra support in the classroom. Juliana has content for kids of all ages and for kids who are learning English as an additional language as well. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And now, what we're saying versus what we're thinking. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. What we're saying. I'm keeping busy. What we're thinking. How can there only be 24 hours a day when I'm doing extreme parenting 24-7 while also doing extreme work with no outlet 24-7? What we're saying. You know, in a lot of ways, it's been a good opportunity to broaden my relationship with my kids. What we're thinking. I now get to be shrieked at by my offspring for being a terrible teacher as well as being a terrible parent. What we're saying. You know, I'm not too bad. Luckily, I'm finding lots of new things to do. What we're thinking. I'm pretty damn bad, but I'm comforting myself by finding different salty snacks to eat while I cry. What we're saying. You know, compared to other folks, we are 
really very blessed. What we're thinking. Other folks are completely engulfed in flames, and I've convinced myself that it is therefore not okay to complain that my arms are also on fire. But oh my God, ow, ow, the burning. This has been What We're Saying Versus What We're Thinking from the What Fresh Hell podcast. All right, so we know this is horrible, and some (laughs) of it is my David Foster Wallace, This Is Water. Like, there has to be a place. There's water and it's boiling water, P.S. This is water and it's boiling, exactly. But I was having a chat with one of my children this morning who was on the struggle bus, you know, really not feeling the pandemic anymore, also. <laughs> and, you know, this stinks and this is horrible and this stinks and this is horrible. And I just kept saying, you're right. You're absolutely right that these things stink, but now what? You know, and he's of an age where it's hard for him to make that leap too. So I guess I will take a hot bath and pour myself some hot chocolate and, you know, maybe miss my first class of the day, whatever it is you need to do. But you can't just live in the place of like, this is horrible and I will sit here and cry. Like we'd all kind of like to, but we got to find the next step somehow. I think it's okay to rest there for a little while. Yeah. And then you have to get up and look for a new campground. Yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly right. And I was struggling with that this morning with my kiddo. Like, should I just leave him in this place and be like, yeah, just sit here for a while. But, you know, he was super, super upset. I just kind of tried to put in his path. Like you got to move to another square eventually. But this square is reasonable. And I'm trying to do that for myself, too. Part of this little collection of articles in the New York Times featured one by Pooja Lakshmi. And it was talking about, okay, solutions. Like, what are... That a lot of this stuff is mental health. A lot of this stuff is societal structures that, you know, are deeply unfair. Right. Won't be fixed tomorrow. Won't be fixed tomorrow. And so she had a bunch of solutions. And I think we should talk through them because I thought some of them were pretty helpful. All right. Hit me. Solution number one, resist the urge to feel like you have the right answers. When you fixate on finding the right answer, try saying, there goes my mind again, telling me there is a perfect answer. Drawing overt attention to your mind cultivates psychological flexibility, which gives you the emotional space to question whether this line of thinking is productive or even realistic. Wow. This one surprises me, but it might help me with my certainty loving to embrace that there is no thing to be certain about embrace the uncertainty this is water i mean this is like the idea that we i think particularly as women and moms feel like it is my job to have the solution for this and spoiler alert you don't have a solution to a global pandemic yeah you're not going to make it better yeah you're not going to i mean i was walking with friends yesterday and you know they need to bring back sports. They need to open the cafeteria. We need to this. And I was like, yeah, and you know, they really need, it's like, nobody's coming. <laughs> nobody's coming to open the cafeteria or bring back sport. There's no they, there's no one. The cavalry's not coming, to quote Hamilton. Yep. And I think that acknowledging that is very, very helpful and stopping feeling like every, I mean, what do we do? Something goes wrong and what do all of us do? We go to Google. Like I have a kid who has a mystery pain. I have a kid who is really angry for the first hour of the day every morning. Like 
we Google search it. We're going to figure it out. We're going to solve it. And I think that we are in next lamppost phase, next best choice phase. And this morning for my guy who was freaking out, I was like, how about a cookie witch for breakfast? And guess what? It helped. Like, I'm not going to solve the problem of you're miserable because you're stuck in a global pandemic cut off from friends. And like every day you don't know what to expect because today was a snow day in New York. And then it's like, well, he was expecting to go to school and have this stuff happen. Like, he's not a kid who does great with like doors slamming in his face and it's like, yeah, I'm not going to make that better. This stinks. Julia Cameron has a book called The Artist's Way, which has nothing to do with the pandemic, but it's a terrific book about like sort of creating the creative life that you want and making the changes that you need to make in order for those to occur, which occur very slowly. And she talks at one point about, you know, you may feel like this isn't happening soon enough, that your book isn't moving soon enough, that you're not getting what you need soon enough, but you are at rest in a rapidly moving boat. So just like lie down in the boat and the boat is moving and you're not even sure where you're going, but just lie down. And I have been thinking about that a lot lately. I am at rest in a rapidly moving boat. I hope it's rapid. It's moving. I'm not in charge and I'm just going to take a little bit of a rest. Stop trying to drive. Yeah. And I think it can be good to give voice to that. I even do it with my kids where I'm like, we're just going to have a day where we yield to the universe. Mm -hmm. Like we've been struggling along. We're not making a lot of progress. Let's just yield. Yeah. And we call it kids choice. And it's like, you can do literally anything you want today. And they think they're going to play screens for eight hours. And after two hours, they get tired of screens. Yeah. And they find something else to do. But I think it gives them a nice mental permission to be like, it's yield day. It's lie down. I sometimes say in conflict situations that sometimes I'm like, I'm Marshmallow Meg. I just lay down in front of the bulldozer and then I pop back into shape later on. Like, sometimes yielding really feels good. Okay. Okay. I'm going to do some more of that. All right. What else does Pooja Lakshman have for us? Cut out anything extra recognize this is a good sentence Amy yep. recognize you are the only one who can give yourself permission to take back your time and energy mm -hmm. no one else is coming along to be like Amy let me take that for you yeah that's Amy's job yep especially if you're a high functioning always manage to get it all done with a smile kind of person yeah nobody's going to be like oh you really need more help right now because you don't seem like you need help yeah and I think that that's right that you have to be the person to say to your spouse I'm at my max and I need you changing three diapers out of six every day, whatever it is, like have those hard conversations and keep it practical. That's the thing. It's not a, and I've been struggling with this. So I'm talking to, I'm looking at the Meg in the mirror right now. <laughs> I like to start conversations with my husband. Like here are the 19 ways you failed me, but it's a lot better to start that conversation at if you could get up and do breakfast every day it would make my morning so much easier because then I could concentrate on the nine other things I need to get done and stay practical. This is not the time for conversations where you're like, here at the bottom of my emotional suitcase, I have found some sins <laughs> you committed 10 years ago. No, it's just here are the eight practical things I need help with. In our boundaries episode last week, we were talking about how boundaries can be expressed not just as I need you to stop doing that as I would like you to start doing this I would like us to start doing this and so that's an opportunity to express a boundary positively I would really like you to take over breakfast on Mondays and Thursdays yeah keep it simple and practical and it's okay for things to be not functioning very well. Like you're in survival mode right now. I was just talking on my walk yesterday with my friends about your slow blinking light. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's the thing because 
I think Amy talks about like how a computer powers down and it's just a slow blinking light and it's going to come back on. Yeah, it's not off. It's asleep. It's not off. It's not asleep. It's just it's slow blinking light mode. And that's the thing. My husband and I, if this was our real marriage, would be in big trouble. You know, we're not Hmm. having a lot of romance. We're not having a lot of fun. We are just two slow blinking lights moving down the road next to each other. Yes. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that like everything's bad. It just means that we're in a pandemic and we need to be slow blinking lights in order to get through it. And maybe be honest about that, right? And maybe check in about that. But you're right. Don't uh, wring your hands about being a slow blinking light right now. Don't add anything else to your list. Don't be like, I'm not being the world's sexiest wife right now. Yeah. Nope, not doing it. I'm slow blinking light. Okay, we're back to our list of uh, helpful tips here. This is a little dangerous for me. I don't think I need any more help channeling my rage. I'm very good at it. The fear of hurting someone's feelings, bothering them, or getting in trouble pales in comparison to the piece of you that is lost when you don't do it. This actually we did talk about on the boundaries thing, which is like, I'm going to take stuff from the nine people in my life until a month from now, I take out my blowtorch and just go Rambo and just attack everybody for 400 miles around. Right. And then they're like, whoa, what's with that crazy person? Yeah, that is a really good mode to try to stay out of right now, which is like, I do everything. No one, you know, we call it, and this is her next point, watch how you talk to yourself. We call it watch your story, right? Like, I'm the only one keeping this all going. And without me, it would all fall apart. Give that theory a test every once in a while. Take a personal day from your life Mm -hmm. and see how it goes. My guess is people will survive. Yeah, right. I'm looking at what she said here. She says, it's one way that we've internalized a culture that demands women bear the brunt of caregiving while simultaneously devaluing that job. Like the wiping the toddler's butt is not seen as a valuable contribution to society, although heaven knows it is. It for sure is, but it's also, and I mean, this is something I talk about with my kids a lot. Like, No matter how unfair, no matter how systemically charged the circumstances, fundamentally, you have to be the change you want in your life. I mean, it's hard, but I often use the metaphor. My husband was at a very, very busy job that was incredibly demanding. And we were dating when we were first dating. We weren't dating for very long. And I was like, oh, this dude, I don't think he's a possibility because he's just always like at this job and humming along in his rut and he's kind of like that mind he's an engineer and he's kind of you know I am work robot and goes off to work and then we were involved in a really bad motor vehicle accident and we he was in the ICU for nine days he was recovering for three months and suddenly this job that like he couldn't take lunch to call me because you know the world would fall apart had to function without him for three months Mm -hmm. and guess what they didn't go out of business Mm -hmm. you know like he came back four months later and it was a pretty helpful perspective that you know what? The story that is like, if I so much as take a sip of coffee at this job, the entire operation will fall apart without me. Check that story. It's not true. And the same with your family. You know, one thing that I noticed happening this year is that we're not getting sick mostly. Right. Because we're staying home. We're wearing masks. Staying home and wearing masks. Yeah. You're not getting COVID. You're not getting a lot of things. I've been sick probably this year. Mm-hmm. But Sometimes I need a sick day from my life, you know? I mean, listen, if you've got a 3-2 and baby, maybe this is not as available to you. But even then, go lie down with the baby at nap time and put the other kids, put everybody in the room and it's like, it's quiet time. Put the kids in front of a movie. Like, 
Whatever you need to grasp for yourself, you should be grasping right now. And watch the story that the second you stop moving, everything falls apart. You ask for help what you need help with, and then you ask again, and then you ask again. And don't be mad about having to ask again. Well, I mean, you have a right to be mad about having to ask again, but just ask again anyway. Don't waste time on the rage. Just ask again until you get it. Yeah. And then her last point is invest a little time you have in what feeds you. And this... We got to be careful because I spent probably too much of the pandemic eating pirate's booty like a madman, <laughs> hunched over my phone, like paying for levels of Candy Crush because I kind of got into the story of like, no one can take this from yep. me. You know, I have given up so much. And you have to be careful in investing the little time you have in what feeds you that you're really like feeding yourself the right way. Yep. That it might be like walking outside with friends, which I never feel like doing. I ever, I never, whenever my friend writes to me and says, do you want to take a walk in the woods? My first reaction is like, why did you have to text (laughs) me this? Now I have to go. Like, I don't want to do that, but I need to do that. And I have in the last month really recommitted to stopping the kind of mindless, senseless eating and the doom scrolling doom scrolling and really I bought four books and I put them next to my bed and I'm just reading them. Mm. I mean, I think that investing in what feeds you can be really a morass and that mean looking up people you went to high school with on Facebook to see if things went wrong for them. It feeds a part of your soul, but maybe not the part you want to be feeding right now. I would maybe get a book of poetry and try to sit with it with your face in the sun for an hour instead. Yeah, it's sort of looking away. You can look away. Twitter will make more, but also it's probably not going to be fixed in the next 30 seconds. And you can go sit with that book of poetry and take your eyes off when is this going to be over for a little while? It'll make it go by faster. And But don't let it become something else you feel bad about. Yes, yes, yes. Which is like, oh, I stopped at McDonald's for lunch instead of I know I was supposed to eat that kale salad and read my book of poetry because that's what Margaret told me. Like, Right, right. No, don't let it become another thing you feel bad about, but try. And I mean, I've gone back. I moved to a computer calendar. We've discussed this many times. Amy convinced me. But I've gone back to having a book that I write down every day, like a little schedule. I really have to work at this. P.S. I do both. Like I have it all in line, but the stuff I need to do today goes on a piece of paper because you can't look at the 300 things you need to do. You need to look at the five you've told yourself today is going to be the day. And I also really know, I know that at noon, my kids get a lunch break. I know that certain things happen that are times in the day that I can grab for myself. And I have to stare at the thing that says like, get on your exercise bike then, or go sit outside and read during that time. Because I have to be a little harder on myself about taking care of myself right now, because it's not like self-care, take a bubble bath, give myself a manicure, but it is the bad hard days are better if I can spend some time every day outside and get a little bit of exercise. Yeah. And giving over to like spending that time, you know, scrolling comments about the Britney Spears documentary. I do it, (laughs) but I try to not do it every one of those free times. It really is as hard as you think. And you really are doing seriously everything. So give yourself 10 minutes is what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, we see you. This is really, really, really hard. (laughs) I will say before we get on, Amy and I always chat for five minutes and I always say, how's it going? One of us is like, oh, it's horrible. The other one is almost always like, oh, I'm, I'm okay. All right. I'll kind of put this one on my back and carry it. And this morning we both got on and we were like, 
oh, it's horrible. It's tough. Yep. But you know what? It's like you get through it. Call a friend. Have a couple of. This was really good for my mental state to just chat with you for 45 minutes. Yep. And say it stinks. And like maybe there's a couple glimmers of light. And maybe we're just going to like look for that next lamppost and keep moving until March. What did I say? 20th? 12th? What was it? <laughs> I have to look it up. Yeah. March 14th, guys. Okay. Like that's when the light comes. So if you just need to put your head down and get to lamppost until then, I say go for it. Margaret says it's all going to get better starting March 14th. You heard it here first. Ex cathedra. I speak ex W F H Yes. Guys, hang in there and come to Facebook and tell us how you're doing. We want to know. And with that, we will talk to you next time. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks.